The world is changing in the food industry. Take the impossible burger, almond milk. Our eating habits are changing and has a lot to do with how we treat animals. Today on the Religion of Human Nature podcast, we are talking compassion to animals. I'm your host, Jeremy Fine. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Religion of Human Nature podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about compassion to animals, and I have two incredible, incredible guests. Kale Walsh is one of the owners of the Herbiferous Butcher, one of my favorite spots in the Twin Cities. How are you, Kale? Hi, <laughs> great. Great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm a frequent eater over there and uh, see him all the time. And also, Danny Ingham, formerly the front woman of Cold Kingdom, also works at the Howe, which has an extensive vegan menu. Danny, how are you? I am awesome. Thank you. All right. So, Danny, we're going to start uh, the conversation with you today. And that is because. You were the front woman of a heavy metal band, and I also learned that you were vegan, and to me, in my mind, those things did not mesh. So I want to hear a little bit about that story. Sure. I think for a lot of people, you don't immediately associate the hard rock, edgy universe with compassionate veganism, <laughs> and really... There is so much crossover. We have played so many festivals where they'll have the normal um, craft set up for everyone to, to eat their meals and to go get refreshments and things like that. And they'll have vegan options. There's so many musicians out there who are vegan or choose that plant-based lifestyle. Of course, normally they have private chefs and things like that. Um, but there's so many people out there and so many people in the musical world or just in the, the world of the arts and fine arts who are vegan. And so on these larger festivals or tours, there are those options out there for people because there are a large amount of us out there sporting our vegan leather jackets and <laughs> trying to still look edgy while eating really great vegan food. Amazing. So what, what made you become a vegan or have you done it your whole life? It, I don't remember exactly when it started. It started more as just vegetarianism because of the, the yuck factor. I always knew I was eating a chicken and I knew I was eating a cow. And one day it just occurred to me that I was eating muscle with tendons and blood vessels in it. And you had to cook it because all of these horrible bacteria were growing on dead, rotting flesh. And that really, really grossed me out. So it just became a big yuck factor. And then when I went to college, I went to the University of Minnesota, um, Compassion Accent, or Compassionate Action for Animals, so hard for me to say, was doing some exhibit showcase at the Kauffman Memorial Union. It's kind of the big um, central location for college kids. And they were doing an exhibit and they had their videos up and their information. And I became really informed about what was happening, not only just in the animal agriculture meat industry, but also what was happening with eggs and dairy. And I decided to give that a shot. This was back in probably 2003. And so I did it the wrong way. Hmm. I was just basically taking food replacements and uh, so replacing cheese with a fake cheese and replacing meat with a fake meat. And I was told that I was going to feel better in a month or so. And I didn't feel any better in a month or so. And I'm from Wisconsin. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to eat cheese again. And then uh, a few years after that, I learned uh, 
how to do that in a more helpful way, and it's completely changed me. Amazing. So yeah. let's if we're going to talk about fake meats, there's no better person to talk to than Kale. Maybe the only person I would consider up there with you is maybe your sister. Uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty equal on that, on that front. Yeah. So you are a mad scientist with this food. It is, I, I would say, sweeping the nation. You, you go on your website, you have... Um, your products are pretty much in every state, it feels like. It's getting getting close to all of them. Uh, we got wholesale customers all around the country and, and Puerto Rico, which is a little outside. Yeah. But, yeah, it's going really well so far. So we're, tell us how you started. Where did the vision come for this uh, butcher shop? Um, and, uh, yeah, lead us in that way. Sure. Uh, it just kind of started off when uh, my sister and I were hungry one day. Uh, after I went vegan, uh, there wasn't much on the market for me that would, you know, allow me to stay vegan. Because when I was growing up, uh, me and my dad would travel the country looking for the best burgers and ribs. We'd go to St. Louis like every other weekend. And uh, when I went vegan, it broke his heart. And I knew that I couldn't stay vegan unless I had a real good meat substitute that would fool me and my dad. So I started making some recipes, and they sucked for a long time. (laughs) And you know, one failed batch at a time, they got better. So that's how it all started for me and Aubrey. And we decided to make a business out of it. So we started at the farmer's market for a year and a half. And now here we are with a storefront and, you know, customers all around the country. So so when people come to town, it's like literally the first place I take them. And my friends, I once brought um, a bunch of the jerky to a bachelor party. Yeah. And the guys went crazy. Wow. I mean, because... You know, here you get together with your bachelor party friends. I'm a vegetarian. They almost all eat meat. And they're like, where did you get this? And, you know, and I tell them all the story. So I imagine for some people when they walk into the store, it's a, it's a culture shock, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, we we try to make it a friendly experience for people because, you know, part of the reason why we started the shop, we're making food for, you know, vegans and vegetarians, yes, but uh, we're trying to convince omnivores that, you know, this is a lifestyle that, they can consider, you know, they, they can have the meats and the cheeses that they grew up with and they're used to, um, in a more compassionate way. So we try to be really friendly answering everyone's questions because it it is a big shock, you know, seeing a steak that it's not a steak, but it, (laughs) it is a steak, you know? So yeah, it's a safe space to ask questions. And Danny, you've been featured on their website. So I'm assuming you consume some of their products and go there frequently. All the time. I live in the same neighborhood, so it's really super convenient to be able to be there. And like I said, when I finally did it right the second time, uh, you really could see this amazing transition with people making really good vegan substitutes versus way back when it was just awful, waxy, flavorless stuff. And so places like Herbivorous where I can go in and get really amazing substitutes. Their mozzarella cheese is hands down one of the best cheeses on the face of the planet. It, I I hate saying fools uh, people, but it really, really does. It melts like mozzarella, it bubbles like mozzarella. Pizza Nia does it on their pizzas there, and it's it's a really, really good pizza if you want to find a pizza with mm-hmm. a vegan cheese on it. But also they carry things from other great vegan companies too. They do the Just Egg, and I can go and find vegan 
sour cream chips from certain companies or marshmallows or things like that where I can I can find it in their store as well. It's kind of like a one-stop shop. Plus, I, it's really adorable when you walk in because it looks like a deli. Yeah, It's laid out like a deli. People who are working there look like they work in a traditional deli. It, so you get that, that sort of experience without having to harm any animals in the process. Yeah, so we we are seeing a sort of a culture shift a little bit with like the Impossible Burger. It really has made like a dent in culture and restaurants are carrying it everywhere and they're doing it in different ways. And I think Impossible just announced that they're working on uh, uh, pork and, and chicken. And I imagine um, that people are starting to change. I mean, I have friends who literally order the Impossible Burger instead of the meat burger. Um, do you think this is about compa- all of this is about compassionate animals, and is that a new phenomenon, or is the taste and the substitute making people feel like maybe they're eating healthier? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, and a little bit of you know corporations seeing trends and cashing in on them. Um, but if, as a result, you know less animals are being killed for meat. I think it's a good thing in general. Uh, like Burger King just picked it up, yeah. and uh, if it, if the test goes well, and I think Kansas City it, it is, then they're gonna start carrying carrying them around the country. So, I think that it has the potential to make a big difference for sure. Um, opening up doors for a lot of smaller vegan businesses also, because if people are willing to try that, then you know they they could try maybe something else than you know something someone local around the country could make. You know. Yeah. And I think the where you were saying it's, you know, corporations taking advantage of a trend is definitely something. I mean, we saw it happen with almond milk, mm-hmm. just yeah. something as simple as almond milk, just destroying the milk industry. And you're seeing it impossible. Um, I think Qdoba just decided to take it completely I don't know if it's nationwide, but they're they're expanding it beyond where they had their test area. And you said Burger King. Yeah. Um, now it's kind of funny to try and get Impossible into a restaurant that used to carry it before. The restaurant that I work in is actually having difficulties getting it. We can only huh. get it in certain small quantities because they're selling it to Burger King now. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh shoot, we can't get it. But also, great, other people, <laughs> other people are getting it. And if it's putting it in the hands of people who wouldn't normally go to an herbivorous butcher or go to a place like Jay Selby's or something like that. And it gives them the opportunity to try something that is meat free and give them the opportunity to try it and like it. I think if that's sort of wetting their taste for it, they might be more akin to expand that and learn a little bit more about it. So when I was uh, six, I decided to be a vegetarian. I'm still a vegetarian. And we, we joked about Laura Van Zandt, who works also uh, for the butcher shop. Um, and her, we'll, we'll plug her blog, the Beat Size Beat. Um, her and I have had long discussions about this. Being a vegetarian, and I also barely consumed dairy, um, was always an ethical decision. In some ways, it was a religious decision, although I was six, so I'm not sure how much I accredit to religion. But we got a dog. And I started thinking about what was on my plate and I looked at my dog and I looked at the plate and I was like, this does not, is not okay with me. And at six, my parents are like, you can try this. And I've never stopped, not for one day, um, much to the chagrin of my wife. <laughs> so 
You know, tell me about this decision. Is this, is this moral? Um, do you feel it's religious at all for you? I mean, for me as a rabbi, it certainly made conversations really easy about keeping kosher and stuff like that. So where does it play maybe religiously in your lives uh, and, and sort of ethically? I think it depends on how you define religion. There's so many different ways to define religion and words like religion and spirituality get used and abused in so many different iterations and explanations. For me, religion is following a set of moral codes and then following them. So within that, you could say a little bit. I Personally, for me, I feel like it's more of a, a spiritual thing. Um, I believe certainly in a connectivity between all living things and the energy in nature and connectivity. So finding a peace of mind and sort of a sound set of mind in knowing that I'm not harming any of these living things or doing anything definitely creates a sense of peace for for me spiritually. Um, you know, I, I practice yoga and meditation and there's the yogic principle of ahimsa, which I'm sure I'm horribly mispronouncing, but it's do no harm. And if you have the knowledge of what goes on and then end up supporting that by eating an animal or knowing that you took part in um, the butchering of that animal, that creates an enormous amount of conflict. So I feel like by not participating in that and supporting it, uh, it's able, I'm able to find more peace and spirituality within myself. Great. Yeah, it's meant different things for me um, over the past nine years I've been vegan. Um, when I first went vegan, I was, I was still uh, actually at a Bible college uh, studying uh, bi biblical studies, uh, like mostly, uh, you know, Old Testament stuff. And being vegan back then helped me reconcile a lot of uh, conflicts within me. And it just made... It made, it made things, things easier for me, um, knowing, knowing that I wasn't, you know, harming, harming God's creation. creation. Um, you know, since you then, then, it's it's sort of developed and changed, and I feel like month to month it's different. It's still a spiritual thing for me. Um, you know, especially seeing these animals, it's it's hard to like look a cow in the eye and and. Not feel, not feel some connection, connection to it on like a deep, deep just like being, being on earth level, level you know, you know we're, we're both on this earth, earth you know, we breathe, the, breathe same the same air, air. It's, just, it's, it's just a, a you get a sort of empathy for the thing and I don't know, I don't know, it, it, I don't know if it's spiritual for me anymore but whatever, whatever, whatever you call that, that's, that's mainly what it is for me now. Did either of you get pushback from friends, family, when you decided to go this route? My father is an NRA hunter, woodsman. He's the man's man fishing, hunting. He, you know, most kids grow up on chicken fingers. We grew up on pheasant fingers. <laughs> it's venison, everything in that household. My sister and her husband are exactly the same way. And uh, my other sister and her husband, we had, they were just visiting uh, the Twin Cities last weekend, and we had a conversation about um, the about animal agriculture. He has had a couple experiences visiting um, factory farms, and I've also had a couple of those experiences just being on tour and having to drive through Texas. 
which is really emotionally destructive. You think you know what it looks like on that grand of a scale, and you really don't. And we both had this very emotional conversation about it. And he he looked at my sister and said, well, maybe, maybe we should just not eat meat for a while. Uh, my partner ended up deciding that he was going to go meatless for the year 2019 is his and he's doing great at it granted i think i, I think i help with that a little bit or at but, least it's great that he's telling you that right well yes i don't know if he's visiting matt's bar to have a juicy lucy right. in secret who knows but he, that effort is there and it, it's at least created a bit of conversation with my father i generally try and not bring up the subject just at all that's fair yeah uh, Kale, you? Yeah, it's the same with my dad. You know, he's 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 not a he's not a big hunter or anything, but you know, we were always big foodies, like I was saying. So when, so when I went vegan, it, it broke his heart. Uh, so there was initial pushback, but after he tried the stuff I was making and you know helped me develop the recipes, he came along. He came around. Yeah. So. It, uh, my sister became a vegetarian soon after I did, and then my father is now very much into plant-based eating and he's like trying to teach me about it. I'm like, I've been doing this since I was six, dad. You know, <laughs> this is not a new phenomenon for me. You know, um, Kale, you, you talked about going to school and I, I believe you were going to be a pastor. You're on that round. Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, you know, I think there's like a compassionate side clearly to you, but also, you know, from the religious, uh, of being a pastor, really taking care of um, human beings and and what you do today is in very much taking maybe indirectly but very much taking care uh, of animals. I want to talk a little bit about the sanctuary, the 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 the, the, um, the farm sanctuary that you guys are are building. I know you have an event. I'd love to hear about it and also what it is and and why it's important. Sure. Yeah. Um, River Acres is a is our nonprofit uh, farm sanctuary that we've been working on for a few years. Um, we've had a few heartbreaks f- finding land for the actual sanctuary. Um, we've gotten so close so many times, and just last second something something happens. Um, but hopefully, uh, we've got we've got some big news to announce soon. Uh, so hopefully, things will change on that front. But uh, yeah, the idea is to. You know, sort of give people like a full experience to, you know, encounter the animals that they they may still be eating and, you know, have that chance to look them in the eye and make a decision for themselves, you know, if they can continue living the same way or if they want to change some things. Um, right now we've got two pigs, Fox and Zeus. Uh, they're, they're pretty pretty big boys. Uh, one of them fell off of a truck on the way to the slaughterhouse. And the other one was a was a backyard pet that just got too big, uh, so they they're they're living up in a, a farm about an hour away right now, and uh, yeah, things are going pretty well. We've got a we got a fundraiser in early June, June sixth. Um, it's the House of Love. It's our third annual uh, vegan fashion show. So uh, lots of designs from, you know, vegan designers all around the country. And this, this year, the theme is vegan prom. <laughs> so, you know, if if uh, you didn't get a chance in high school, like like I didn't, uh, for reasons. <laughs> uh, nothing to do with being vegan, right? <laughs> oh, no, no, of course. That was just, it might have been the bowl cut. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, you can ask someone at the prom or, or just come enjoy uh, we'll have the food truck there lots of 
music, music and things. So it'll, it'll be a good time. So June 6th. Yeah, June 5th, yeah, the food truck will be parked here in the Temple of Aaron uh, yeah, right. uh, parking lot for our block party, which Heck has... Yeah. At vegetarian this year, there is an ice cream truck. I made Laura aware of that. <laughs> but uh, it's a lot of vegan food. Actually, one of the trucks is going to go vegan for the night. They've been working on it. Um, awesome. And uh, and then you can go to the House of Love event um, and check that out just the night after. So the truck's amazing. Um, and it's, uh, John Ricky is great. And, and yeah, John's doing what a great good guy. Time. We're having fun. Yeah. So. Um, Let's say this is open to both of you. Where really is, what, what do you want people to know a little bit more about being compassionate to animals? Um, you know, there's a, there's a trend in the Jewish community a little bit about um, the, every year the, when we read the Torah portion, uh, the, the biblical story of Noah, um, a, lot of, a lot of synagogues will sort of do a blessing for the animals and they'll bring the animals to the synagogue. And I went to a service this year in L.A. where they did that. Um, I was surprised that it's like, it was like only dogs. And I was like, that seems peculiar in L.A. where you've got all sorts of things going on, um, but, they, but all sorts of stuff. And that's become a big, I think it's a growing sort of movement. Um, you know, and the compassion to animals and how they play a role in our lives and uh, certainly the, the, the trend towards vegan food. You know, what do you want people to know about being compassionate to animals and how that plays a role or could play a role in their lives? I think when people make the connection, it starts a thought process um, for most people. I think there's a small handful of people that can make the connection and are aware of it and they just don't care and there's nothing to be done about that. But you were talking about the blessing of the animals. I used to uh, teach music at a Catholic school, and they did a blessing of the animals, and they would bring their pets and then serve hamburgers afterwards. And it always kind of made me go, what is happening here? And if people make that connection, or like I was saying, my brother-in-law um, visited this factory farm that he had to go to for work a couple times, and it's changed his perspective. Or I've brought friends before to the state fair and we go into the big cattle barn and I'm hugging all of the cows and looking at their eyes and saying like how could you eat this cow how could you know how could you eat this cow and pointing out the the big metal um, pig trucks that these pigs have to basically be transported in in unbearable temperatures and these are the prize winning pigs these are the you know the fancy pigs and best in show best in show <laughs> the show pigs but they're still being transported yeah. and treated in these horrible horrible conditions and we're auctioning them off for slaughter and when you're actually standing face to face and if i mention that to anybody they kind of go oh yeah this is that's that's not right this is this is not okay pigs are smarter than dogs and they feel just as many compassionate feelings as dogs but yet we would never dream of killing and eating a dog and once that thought process starts and most people I feel like most people have that inherent good in them to at least start thinking about it and making that connection so I just if I can at all just sort of raise that question and have people start thinking about it you should know that uh, last year Laura and I did a vegan tour of the state fair and it was awesome it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. it really is, and it's growing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I read Laura's guide every year before yeah. I go. What's yeah. new? What can I get? <laughs> yeah. um, I agree with all those things, of course. That's probably the main thing. And I guess 
one other side of it is uh, compassion to animals sort of extends now to compassion for the environment too you know like if you love things like green trees and uh, you know water that you can drink everywhere uh, your compassion to animals extends to that too because factory farming is just devastating the environment and it, it is getting a little better it seems but you know it's it's still a huge problem and uh, I don't know if you, if, you, if you love the planet um an easy way to love it is to love an animal first, and it extends, I guess. Yeah, I love that, and I think that there is a there feels like a change. I mean, I'm not super in it, right? I don't I don't own a farm. I don't spend too much time on farms, factory or otherwise. But I do feel there is a change of uh, even like you know organic and locally grown. Uh, um, fruits and vegetables and, and things like that, it, it sort of all plays into it. And I think there is a, like an acknowledgement if you can do it, you'll want to do it. Um, you know, I was surprised my wife came home and now we have like mostly organic sort of uh, fruits and vegetables and things like that. And um, I think she does it because <laughs> I, I like it. I mean, at first I was like, this is a really much bigger, higher bill on our, you know, for groceries, but, but it, it, it does. There's a, there's a feel-good piece to it, and, and that's where I think some of this compassion to people, compassion to animals, compassion to the earth, Gail, as you said, it allows us uh, to connect deeper to, to everything and everyone around us. Um, I want to thank you both for your time uh, and uh, your expertise and your voices. Uh, it's been super meaningful to me to have both of you on, um, and I hope you guys had fun, too. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. In today's final thoughts, I want to direct our conversation a little bit away from just our dietary needs. Certainly, veganism, vegetarianism, it does help the world a little bit more be compassionate to animals. But that's not the only other way. Kale is a great example of someone starting the sanctuary for these animals. And I do believe that how we treat animals certainly turns into how we treat people. How do we look at someone or something in the face and really care for them deeply? And if we're able to care for animals, I believe we'll be better people, we'll be a better community, and we'll be able to look at each other in a different light. I want to thank my uh, guests today, Kale Walsh and Danny Ingham. I also want to thank Laura Van Zant for helping setting some of this up. Special shout out to Todd Kessler for his music that you'll hear throughout several of these podcasts. Todd's an excellent musician. You can find his music on iTunes. Special thanks to our host, Temple of Aaron Synagogue. I'm Rabbi Jeremy Fine, and this was the Religion of Human Nature podcast. <laughs>